Welcome back, everyone, to the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo and Joe Resinello. Oh, you're exactly right, Joe. We work for the man upstairs as you do. You're setting me up quite well. You just gave me an alley-oop. The greatest revolutionary act you can commit right now is to open your mouth and speak the truth. Whether you're an academic or you're a regular guy, we have to be fearless. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go into the breach. Hello again, everyone, and welcome back to The Frontline with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasillo, as always, joined by Joe Resinello. And once more, dear brothers and sisters, let us go in to the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the app, the Veritas app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. And hey, if you like what Joe and I do, you can find us all over the place. Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, until YouTube, of course, takes us down. Like, subscribe, share, do all that fun stuff. Follow us on Twitter. Today, we're very pleased and honored to be joining the program or welcoming to the program Father Basil Nortz. And Father has written a new book, uh, Holy Silence. Joe, I think that's an important topic. I Holy Silence. Think it's absolutely. Vital. Yep, a practical guide to recollection in God. And this is available at Sophia Institute Press. As always, we ask you to not only buy the book, but buy it from the publisher so we support not just our authors, but our Catholic publishers. Uh, some of you uh, are familiar with Father Nortz. Having said that, a quick bio, Father Nortz, ORC, is a member of the Order of the Canons Regular of the Holy Cross. And he's recorded numerous talks on silence and the Holy Angels. Father Basil Nortz, welcome to the front line with Joe and Joe. Very pleased to be with you. Thank you. And with that, I'm going to hand it over to Joe. Father, would you lead us in prayer before we begin? Yes. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary, Mother of God, pray, pray for us sinners now and the hour of our death. Hour of our death. Amen. Amen. Mary, Mother of Holy Silence, pray for us. Pray for us. Amen. Father, I'll be honest. I mean, we were talking before uh, we started the uh, recording. You seem like such a peaceful person. Joe and I <clears throat> Joe and I can use, like, this conversation. We're high-strung Italian guys from New Jersey. It's beautiful to talk to someone. I could just sense uh, you're a person of, uh, like, a serene attitude. And to be honest with you, that's godly. My father was like that. My father was a very meek man. I always admired it. I wish I was as I was more like him. Maybe as time goes on, I will. Uh, Silence I can, is not your strong suit, Joe. No, Arsenault. no, not at no, all. Nor is, nor is mine. <laughs> you, you're you're that type of person. It's beautiful. It's a very. I think it's a beautiful virtue and trait. I just wanted to say that. Thank you very much. Also. Uh, your book, it begins with uh, you build on the classical reflections of Sister uh, Marie Amide de Jesus. I'm assuming that's friend of Jesus. Is that? Or Amy of Jesus. Uh, it could be the friend of Jesus. I mean, it's a French Carmelite from the 19th century. Tell us about her. So she was born into a very poor family in France in the 19th century, 1839. And her family... Basically, her parents died and her siblings died, it seems, from malnutrition. They were so poor. And so she was an orphan. She was taken in an uh, orphanage of the Daughters of Charity. And there she received a very good, solid Catholic formation and formation in prayer. 
and eventually she discovered a vocation to the Carmelite convent. So she entered the Carmelites, and eventually she became the novice mistress towards the end of her life. She died at 35 years old. She probably, her health was also compromised by the situation of her childhood. But she lived a very saintly life. She died in the odor of sanctity. Um, so as a novice mistress, she formed the future Carmelites, and after her death, they went through her notebooks, and in her notebooks, they, they discovered these 12 types of silence that she wrote out. She just wrote the title and a very brief description of each of these 12 types of silence. And so the Carmelites recognized the beauty and the, the, the helpfulness of these, this clarification, and so they eventually published I discovered, discovered recently that St. Teresa Benedicta, Edith Stein, wrote a preface to one of the French editions to the book of the Twelve Types of Silence of this system. So when I was a postulant, the, the beginning of my formation in the religious life, I received a page in which there was lists of these 12 types of silence. And for me, it was a very helpful means of examination of conscience. And I kept that page for, with me during my entire formation through the novitiate and through my philosophy, theology. And when I was ordained a priest, I was asked to give a preacher retreat to a group of third order Carmelites. And I was thinking, what can I talk to them about? I remembered that list. And so for the first time, I developed a, a meditation on these 12 types of silence. That was how this whole process began for me. So over the years, I've repeated those retreat conferences over and over again. And for me, every time it's a reminder of my need to, to perfect these different types of silence, because it's a program for the whole life. It's not something you just finish in a short order. Father, I'll take one kind of silence. <laughs> if I could achieve one, I think I think I would be happy. And 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 I'm not I'm not joking either, because which leads me into the the, the question that pops into my head is um, put it like this, Father. When you're when you're zealous for the faith, when you when you when you want to defend the faith, particularly if you were away from the faith for a while, and then you realize what it is you gave up and you come back to the church and you're 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 living you're trying to lead the sacramental life and a prayerful life. You want to change the world, especially as men. You want to get out there, you want to be loud, you want to be you want to be one of the men at Lepanto, you know, you want to do all these things. And we have to remember, and I want your comments on this. First of all, tell me if you agree with me, but we have to remember the important part is the prayer. The important part, whatever you think you're going to do, if you don't spend time with God and ask him for guidance through prayer and yes, yeah, shutting your mouth, um, you're gonna you're you're gonna you're gonna run into some obstacles. You're not gonna be successful. Um, would you agree with that? Yes. Um, obviously, the the prayer is fundamental, but the idea of all these different types of silence that I tried to describe. For instance, the fundamental the silence of speech. It's not simply not talking. It's the use of the gift of speech for the purpose for which God gave us his purpose of speech, to praise his name, to proclaim the gospel with courage. 
And so to, to fight for the faith and to proclaim the faith and to teach, that's not against holy silence. That's proper ordering of this gift of speech. However, we always have to have the humility. So what we say is proceeds from charity. It proceeds from humility, recognizing our own limitations. And, and in the book, I talk about the friends of Job. You know, in the book of Job, his friends come to comfort, comfort him, and they sit in silence for a time. And that was very wise of them. And then they begin to speak. And what they say are these long discourses on the justice of God, the holiness of God. They're beautiful discourses. You wonder, in the end of the book, why is God angry with them? <laughs> what they say is they're defending God. But God says, what you said of me was not correct. Because they were talking about things above them. They were not really qualified to say, because they were using this defense of God in order to attack Job. And so that wasn't, that wasn't pleasing to God. So it's a question of, we use our gift of, of speech to defend the faith. But at the same time, we recognize our own limitations, and we try to do it in a way that's effective by speaking in love. So St. Augustine always says that if you're going to talk, speak out of love, and if you're going to be silent, be silent out of love. Makes sense. Father Basil Nortz joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Joe Pasolo and Joe Resinello were way in the breach. When we're discussing Father's new book, Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to Recollection in God. And please, when you buy the book, buy it from Sophia Institute Press, who is the publisher, Joe Resinello. I want to build on what you were just saying to talk in love. I think that has everything to, to do with conversion of heart. Um, something I always think about uh, is something from the Gospel of John, where he says, if you could see God, who is invisible, um, and you say you love him, but you don't love your neighbor, I'm paraphrasing, who you do see, then you really don't love God. And I always think of that when it comes to the Eucharist. If we can see God in the Eucharist, then we will see him in our neighbor, and we will love our neighbor, and we will do for our neighbor. Um, I find that in adoration, that is an effective way to basically reveal Christ to our eyes. And then what you were just talking about can be accomplished. But outside of that, I don't think it's humanly possible. Please discuss that. If, if you disagree with it, please let me know. No, it's true that we need the grace of God to be able to truly love our neighbor and to love him in Christ with the love of Christ. And exactly our relation with Christ in the Eucharist, recognizing that he wants to come into communion with me, in this intimate union with me, but he has that same desire for my neighbor and these others. And he wants to enter in communion with me and with my neighbor in order to help us also grow in communion with one another. The dynamic of the communion. It's the, united, the mystical body of Christ. All members are, we're not just members of Christ, but we're members of one another. And so, yes, in the end, it's um, a sense of reverence that we have, we should have for Christ in the Eucharist. The profound awe that we have before the incarnate God 
is it something that we should also have in a certain sense in front of our neighbor who is called to be a living tabernacle of that God, whether they know it or not, whether they're living it or not, that's their vocation. And we have to help them. We have to help recognize our own vocation. I mean, in the sense of recognizing our own dignity. I always remember uh, Lucia of Fatima when, when her confessor once told her, you know, you're the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when she heard that, I mean, after the revelation that she received, she had an understanding of what that means. And she said, I stood in awe of myself. I mean, a sense of our own dignity, a sense of our, the dignity of our neighbor, based upon our faith in the Eucharist, based upon the grace that comes from the Eucharist, that we receive the heart of Christ, that we can love with the heart of Christ, in Christ. So yes, it's something, um, it goes beyond our natural capacities, yes. And, and obviously, that you know, that's why we need that grace. Father Basil Nortz is joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Father, let me ask you this. You talked about there's there's um, <clears throat> a, a numerous numerous kinds of silence, okay? Um, but you do break it down that there is holy silence and unholy silence. Can you, uh, for our audience and for Joe and I, can you explain the difference between the two? It's, um, as St. Augustine says, if you're going to be... If you're going to speak, speak in love. If you're going to be silent, be silent in love. And so just taking the silence of speech. And so to use discretion in a conversation, to have the discipline and to not go beyond what we should really say is holy silence, a, a certain discipline. But if I'm using... Silence is a way of punishing someone else. And so the silent treatment, which is out of a sense of bitterness towards them or unforgiveness, or if I'm not willing to acknowledge them, to give them thanks for something they did for us, that's an unholy silence. So that's one example. If you go to other types of silence, such as the silence of the senses, um, so the discipline, the custard of the eyes, is a type of silence where we're trying to um, control the input that comes through our senses, for instance. It's wholly necessary for the discipline of our soul. But we consider the parable of the Good Samaritan. The first people who walk along the way, and they see the person who has been assaulted. They avert their gaze. They go to the other side of the street. They don't want to look. So that's not a holy silence of senses. It's not a discipline of the eyes in order to not see the need of someone else. So that, that type of thing where the proper use of the senses in order to live the life of grace, to live the life of charity, and not use it as an excuse to flee from something that would be charitable. Joe, where do you want to go? Let's talk about cultivating silence like in day to day. Now, obviously we have different vocations, but at the same time, it's hard. I mean, you're a busy person. I can guarantee. I don't, you know, know your day, but I'm sure it's busy. Mine is busy too. Um, my house is active. I have young children. I work in New York city. Um, but silence is vital because we hear the voice of God in silence. We could even hear the voice of God on a bus if we're silent. 
You know, um, how do we do that? Because it's very difficult. Even in adoration, it's difficult. I try. Uh, well, I do. I go to adoration, two 30-minute clips. Um, and even there, I'm not silent. I'll be honest. My mind is going. I, I you know, uh, I find mornings are best for me because I haven't, the day hasn't begun. It's peaceful. It's tranquil. But even there, I'm thinking about what just happened last week, what happened yesterday, what I'm going to do. I mean, I am in front of the Lord. So, uh, I mean, I'm sure I'm getting something out of it. I hope I am. <laughs> but my mind is definitely not silent, Father. I'll be completely honest with you. How do I work on that? So that's a very good question. That's the, the whole point of the book is to help in this situation of our reality, of our daily-to-day -day life. Because the way our mind works is we need to be to, to name things, to, to be able to distinguish one thing from the other, to be able to examine our conscience. So I say, I'm seeking holy silence. So I go to the chapel, the adoration chapel, and silence. Okay, holy silence. But as you say, what is your imagination doing? What is your memory doing? Who are these interior conversations directed to? And so on. So the idea of the book is to offer a clarity with regard to these different interior faculties of our soul. How is the imagination to be used to, in order to enter into true silence? And what's, yeah, how is the memory to be able to help to, to strengthen our faith, our, our life of faith? How is um, these interior conversations? So I'm in adoration, in silence, and I'm in the presence of the Lord, and I'm thinking about how I have to talk to my neighbor about the fact that he keeps putting his garbage cans in front of my driveway. I'm, and I start imagining this conversation with him. And so that's not silence, evidently. But if I turn to the Lord and say, Jesus, you know, I have this problem with my neighbor and I have to talk to him about these garbage cans. How am I going to, how can I do that, my Lord? So, so this preoccupation, I have to deal with this issue. And I want to make it part of my prayer. And so I talk to Jesus. Uh, prayer is talking to Jesus about anything, any mundane thing. And so, so these mundane things can be a distraction or they can serve as part of the, our, our, our conversation with Jesus. We present them to him. We lift them up to him. We ask for his help, his, his counsel or our guardian angel, or the Blessed Virgin Mary. So the idea of coming to silence, part of it is to have a clearer understanding of the different causes of noise. And that's what we try to go, the 12 types of silence indicate 12 types of noise. And how to remove those types of noise in order to direct our soul to God. What, what about our senses, Father? Like, how much of a distraction can our senses be? Do you have any, I guess let's call them tips, on maybe how we can control our senses a little bit better, which obviously could serve, you know, as a distraction from, from hearing God? Um, and a lot of people might roll their eyes at that. Uh, they'll say, well, how do you hear God? Well, the fact is we're having this conversation with Father Bathurst North because our minds are all full of all these ideas. Or anything. If we're able to clear our heads a little bit, then, yeah, you can hear God. 
You can hear him talking to you. It's not a matter of hearing him with your ears. You can hear him in your heart and in your soul. Um, but what are some tips, Father? Because I know senses could definitely be a distraction. I mean, even Joe said, you're in adoration. All of a sudden, a door slams, and boom, you come out of a, a peaceful moment because you know somebody slammed the door to the adoration chapel. Talk about that a little bit, Father, because obviously senses serve as a distraction. Yeah. Particularly the senses that we ourselves cultivate in the sense of um, somebody who feels a need to always have some kind of background noise, whether it be music or talk show or something. I mean, there's a proper place and time for these things, for our formation, for edification, so on. But there's always a problem of becoming addicted to input. So to be always need to enter the car and immediately turn on the radio, come home, immediately turn on the television or go onto YouTube or whatever, I don't know, a different input. But even the sense of taste, I mean, there's nothing wrong with enjoying a delicious meal or something. It's, God, it's a good gift that God has given to us to appreciate a delicious meal. But what do we do outside of the mealtimes? I mean, as far as snacking, I, 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 I cultivate the habit of looking for a little sweet here, some potato chips here. I'm cultivating the cravings of the soul. And these cravings are kind of noise. It's, it's not a big thing. It's not a sinful thing necessarily, but it's noise. And so the basic custody of the senses is one of the basic foundations of the ascetical life. I mean, the idea of the foundation for contemplative life is the ascetical life, which means mortification, I mean, willing to make sacrifices. We make sacrifices in atonement for our sins. We make sacrifices to expiate the sins of others out of love. But it's also just to put order into our, our soul. So we can have a certain interior tranquility. And the senses are the gateways of our soul. And if we don't put guards over the gateways of the souls, we just let the enemy come and go and wreak havoc sometimes in our heart. He definitely wreaks havoc on me, Father. That's why That's why we're having this conversation with you because, yeah, I mean, this is, these are all very, very practical things. That, and that's why we emphasize everyone out there, please, you know, obviously we want to cultivate a life of prayer as Roman Catholics. Um, and, yeah, silence and, and ridding ourselves of, of all these, you know, many distractions is very important. That's why we're happy to have Father Basil Nortz here joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe to talk about Holy Silence, his new book, Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to recollection in God. Please buy it from Sophia Press, who is the publisher, Joe Resinello. As you were talking, Father, I was thinking of the book of Genesis when um, Adam and Eve basically broke faith with God. They ate the apple, um, and then they hid. Uh, and then God says, well, where are you? Do people, like you talked about, you, you using a reference of snacking or, or turning on the television or going immediately to hear music, um, is that indirectly trying to avoid the gaze of God? I have a, a, a friend from college. He's very successful. He lives um, outside of Washington, D.C. And I can remember one time having a conversation with him, and he actually said this. He said, I fear silence. He actually said that. And I think a lot of people fear silence. They just don't say it. 
and they distract themselves from that voice, which is constantly calling us because God loves us and it's constantly calling us. Do we use those things as distractions from that voice, which is always extending a hand to every soul? And so your friend has the merit of being honest I mean, mm-hmm. rec- and recognizing what is, I think, as Blase Pascal, he said that the very thing that man fears nothing more than to sit in silence because he has to face himself, his limitations, and he has to face the voice of God, his conscience. And so, and again, one of, the, I mean, the capital sin of sloth is not laziness in the, the typical sense of laziness. It's achadia, which is a spiritual sloth. And it, one of the forms it takes is being a workaholic, someone who is just constantly having to be active. Activism, always working, always occupied. That's laziness, according to the definition of capital sin, because it's fleeing from the difficulties of the spiritual life. It's very easy, relatively speaking, for us to do practical things, to be involved in things, to converse and to to be active, but to face our own needs, our own limitations, our own, it's not easy. (laughs) And if we're faithful in prayer, we, 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 we persevere in meditation, and what happens is we will come to the desert, we'll come to Difficulties in prayer is it's foreseen. It's part of the passive purification that's necessary for us to go from being dependent upon sensible consolations to be able to begin to experience God in a, a higher level. It's, it's necessary for us to pass through that purification, and it's difficult. And so to persevere in prayer, to persevere in silence, to persevere in the, the aesthetical part of our life is not easy. So it's much more, it's much more attractive just to flee, flee God. So this, um, but God is, as you say, he's, he's the heavenly hound. He, he runs after us. He tries, tries to get us calm down, to sit in silence for a little while. And he tries to take advantage of those moments until Usually, I mean, the idea of the sacred liturgy, ideally speaking, should have moments of silence. And the problem is sometimes the modern liturgy is just more noise. They don't, it doesn't give you those moments of silence that we really need. It's just talking, 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 singing, mm-hmm. singing, singing. And, but, I mean, again, the, uh, the idea of making taking advantage of an adoration chapel or other times of prayer is also very important. It's funny, uh, Father Nortz, um, Joe and I say on the show, like all the time, that we, Joe and I learn as much as we would like for our audience to learn something. And I didn't think I was slothful until until you said, and I'm being serious, I'm being serious. Um, I do that. I find myself doing that. I think it's very easy to fall into, well, I, I, I don't want to talk to God right now because I gotta I gotta worry about putting food on the table, which is an important thing. You know, obviously work, okay. But I, I I could see that now in myself because you said it is that yeah sometimes I I bury I, I dive into work, 
because I don't want to talk to God. Maybe for whatever reason. Maybe maybe I've done something that I'm ashamed of. And even if I've been to confession, I'm it's it's eating at me. Or or um, so yeah. I'm so happy you said that because I think I I know I'm not alone in that. Um, let's say running away from God and diving into something that is very productive, like work, but using it as using it um, as a distraction. Uh, Father Basil Nortz, we're going to take a quick break. Uh, here at the front line with Joe and Joe on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. Father's new book is Holy Silence, a practical guide to recollection in God. Um, please buy it from the publisher, Sophia Institute Press. This is a great conversation, an important conversation, because, you know, we need to be a bit more silent. So we'll be right back with Father Basil Nortz. Catholic Radio Works. And now we have it here in Connecticut and New York. It's been seen around the country that there's no better tool for evangelization. Where there's Catholic radio, the folks who listen deepen their faith. Families are strengthened. Parishes and communities flourish. So let people know you're listening to Veritas. Tell your friends to tune in. And let's make an impact here for Jesus and his church. This is Steve Lee for Veritas Catholic Network. Welcome back, everyone, to The Frontline with Joe and Joe, Joe Pasillo and Joe Racinello, and we are way in the breach on the Veritas Catholic Radio Network. We're having a great conversation with Father Basil Nortz, and we're discussing his new book, Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to Recollection in God, that's available at Sophia Institute Press. Joe Racinello. Father, there's a number of scripture passages that always uh, resonate with me. One of them, and I talk about it often, is blessed are the pure of heart, for they shall see the face of God. Now, clearly, we were not born immaculate like Our Lady, only Our Lady and Jesus. So to that degree, all of us have a taint, but the church, in her wisdom, uh, allows us to go to confession. And when we go to confession, we purify ourselves. Um, we still leave the confessioner confession box a sinner because we have concupiscence, but we are forgiven, and that's a beautiful thing. Thank God for confession. If we go to confession regularly, uh, it's a practice I definitely try to do. Joe does as well. Um, will, will, will we hear God in those moments of silence? And conversely, if we don't, what are we missing? Because I personally believe that is one of the fundamental actions that could change the world. If you asked me, if I was going to say there are three things that could change the world, one of those three things would be every baptized Catholic avail themselves to regular confession. The world changes tomorrow if we do that. Literally, tomorrow changes. Talk about hearing God after we go to confession and not hearing him when we don't. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, God is trying to get through even to the sinner, the hardened sinner. He's trying, but it's a question of talking to someone to convert them from hardened sin so that they go to confession. But then after going to confession, when we are purified from sin, we can begin to hear the more subtle voice of God. And that's something that's uh, important. I mean, the, as you say, the transformation of the world is not simply um, that everybody stop being hardened in their sins, but to be open to the, the will of God in more subtle ways. 
in, in the small things of day-to-day life. And that's the great challenge. And to the extent that we seek that purity of heart and sincerely take advantage of uh, making a good confession, we are um, fine-tuning our capacity to hear God. And it's in subtle ways, it's not as though I mean, we're going to have interlocutions, uh, extraordinary revelations. It can be through what somebody else says or through, I mean, it can be inspirations during prayer, but it can come through very, our guardian angel who is trying to guide us, obviously, and try to speak to us directly, but when for whatever reason he's not getting through to us, he'll go to our, 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 friend or neighbor, our brother, and get him to say it to us. So, but to hear those finer guidance, it, it demands a, a greater openness that comes through a sincere pursuit of forgiveness, to be free from that burden of the sense of guilt. Even when that idea of trusting in God, so that even when through our weakness, we fall. We have to have sincere repentance, obviously, which is motivated for our love of in, injuring the one whom we love and our, our the friendship with Christ. But it's not beating ourselves up. We 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 know that He loves us despite that weakness. He He calls us, and even our desire for confession is His love calling us. His mercy wants us. And to the extent that we respond to that, the capacity to notice with greater um, sensitivity God's voice, that's that's our our goal, that's our hope. Father Nortz, I want to say this, and and I know this to be true. Um, I couldn't prove it to you by looking at it under a microscope or anything like that, but I know it to be true. What Joe just said about and what you touched on with the frequency of confession. One thing I know is this. You want to talk about hearing God? You want to talk about God speaking to you in ways that you don't even know? Okay, but you could look back. Is that I have gone from one of those people that now I beat myself up, but not in an unhealthy way. Okay, let me say that when it comes to, you know, having committed a sin. All right. I, I feel the guilt of the sin. I have hope, and, and obviously I go give uh, give that sin to Jesus in the confessional. But I know this like I know my own name. I used to go to confession in fear of hell. I now go to confession because I love God. I love Jesus Christ. For all that he does for me, as we all say, unworthy servants that we are, okay, is the disappointment is is in disappointing him. Not worried about his punishment so much, but I let you down. And I think that that's important. I think that's why when Joe says over and over on this show at the front line with Joe and Joe, the need for Catholics to go to confession frequently is not a judgmental statement. You have something there that Jesus wants to give you. All right. In my case, it's letting me know that what, what's going on is, yeah, I'm letting him down. He who loves me so much. It's not so much fear of hell. It's fear that it's fear of offending God. In other words, I'm rupturing that relationship. And I just wanted to throw that in because that's my experience. And when I think about it very deeply to say that that's, that's God working on me. All those times I've been to confession to say, Joe, stop worrying about hell. Worry more about your relationship with me. 
okay? And all that I could, all that I could give you. Uh, I just wanted to throw that in as, as my two cents. Any comments on that, Father? Yeah, it's the idea of to our vocation is friendship with God, the union with God. Heaven is God fulfilling every single possible desire of our heart and soul and body. Everything is fulfilled in God. But to become open to that, to enter into the frequency of God, we need God's grace. We need the supernatural life to make it co-natural with us. Our nature has to be elevated in grace. And it's through the sacraments principally that we arrive at that. But it's a particularly um, to our friendship with God. I mean, heaven is not filled with people who don't really care about God, but just didn't want to go to hell. Heaven is filled with people who love God and God, and who have responded to that, whether they consciously or knowingly or not knowingly, had the openness to God and His holiness. Absolutely. Father Basil Nortz joining us here at the front line with Joe and Joe. Please go out and buy his book, Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to Recollection in God. That's available at Sophia Institute Press. Joe Racinello. Clearly, um, you know, life happens. What I mean by that is like good and bad things, and that could rob us of our interior silence. Something that I don't always grasp in the moment, but after an incident occurs, it's coming, becoming more easy for me. It was something a nun said to me many years ago. She said, Joe, everything comes from the hand of God, the good and the bad. And bad things happen in life. And sometimes they're very disruptive. Uh, they could even be costly. And in the moment, I'll lose my peace. You know, I'll, I could lose my temper. I could lose my patience. Um, you know, my house... And I'll share this with you. I mean, uh, I got married later in life, and I, I, I pursued being a practicing Catholic. I took it very seriously. And it was almost like I always wanted to get married, but God didn't let me get married until I was 43. It was almost like I actually felt this. This is horrible to say, that I wasn't a sinner. I lived a chaste life. I gave to the poor. I gave of myself. My life was peaceful, ordered, and then I had five kids. My life is insane, and I lose my patience. I lose my peace. I bang my head against. I could bang my head against the wall, and I sometimes don't even recognize myself, and I actually believe God allowed me to get married so I could see that. I actually think that. No. But now I'm learning when I do do that, and I do. Ask my wife, you know, at the end of the night, it's time to brush teeth. I'm losing my mind. We're trying to pray the rosary. I got two kids crying. I want to freak out. I accept it later. I'm trying to accept it in the moment, but I can't. How do we get there? I mean, like, like I mean, or, or maybe we're supposed to fail, and God kind of reminds us, that's because you need me. Yeah, like, how do we approach that? Or is that a grace that one can acquire? It is a grace that can be acquired. You recognize, I mean, it's a kind of a common deceit to think that, you know, if I didn't have to deal with this person in my life, I could really be a saint because that person is always trying my patience. And if I didn't have that person, I could be a saint. But it's, 
the contrary. In Catherine of Siena says, all our virtues come through our neighbor, through those trials, through those. So, I mean, we can arrive at a certain inner calm by simply being in a situation where we're, we, we're not confronted with trials. But we need those trials. We need those trials to, to grow, to mature. So God's, God's plan for us is to form in us the image of his divine son. And in order to do that, it's like a, a sculptor who wants to make, say, Michelangelo, who wants to make the Pietà. I mean, he has a block of, of marble, and he has to cut away every piece of marble that doesn't look like Jesus or Mary. So he has to keep chiseling away at us. That's the process of our, our growth. And he uses our neighbor to chisel away what doesn't look like Jesus and Mary in our soul. It's, and it's painful. And it, it, it's difficult. But it's actually the way that God in his providence is forming us. And to see that, it's not easy, as you say, at the moment of trial, you don't, it's not evident that something that person is being just unreasonable. That person is just trying me beyond my measure. But through time, through reflection, through meditation, it's possible to acquire a habitual reflectiveness and so that our response is not immediate reactions, but it's a reflective reactions that are seen through the vision of faith, through the vision of the cross. Because in the end, the central mystery of our faith is the cross. This is the response to God in the, in the scandal of evil, the scandal of injustice, is that the greatest injustice ever committed in the history of the universe was the assassination of the incarnate God. And that he transformed into the, the source of all grace and consolation and salvation is from that very source. And he gives to us the dignity of being able to participate in that mystery. Every Christian is called to participate in the mystery of the cross in such that every injustice that we suffer, we can, in the love of Christ, transform into a channel of grace. We can channel Christ's grace through that injustice for the salvation of others, for our own conversion, for the conversion of others. It's a powerful reality. But to have that vision habitually is not easy. I mean, to have it from time to time, we can see it in a particular situation. But with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, which we, we strive for, through the types of holy silence, that's our goal, through the practice of holy silence, we strive to dispose ourselves to receive that clear vision so that in our reactions to things, we are reacting in a way that is formed by our faith. It's faith, particularly in the mystery of the cross. Father Norris, let me let me ask you this. Let's stay on injustice for a second, okay? Obviously, the greatest crime ever committed in all of human history is the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Okay, we know that. We we know Catholics, we know that. Christians, we know that. We don't care what the rest of the world says. That is the greatest evil that's ever been committed by mankind. But there's a lot of grave evils out there. So let's be clear. Sometimes we moderns, we can't imagine Christ on the cross. That's why we pray. 
you know that's you know that's why we try to recollect and 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 reflect on what that action was but in our modern world there's a lot going on out there that make us quite frankly lose our peace and i per, i'm of the opinion that when we lose our peace the devil wins you know he wants us to he wants us to lose our mind he wants us to lose our peace so if you like just take the crime of abortion he wants us to lose our peace over that to be judgmental to be hateful towards towards other people okay how do we safeguard against losing our peace because what we're really talking about when we're talking about silence is to be able to be at that level of peace that we won't realize the the fullness of which until we get to heaven the peace that passes all understanding but in this world we're, we're, we're allowing the injustices of the world to 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 unhinge us and how can we safeguard against that father Norts? yeah it's a very good question in our meditation on the passion of christ we recall that in the, the garden of gethsemane jesus said my soul is sorrowful even unto death the sorrow of christ that's that was his response in the face of all of the malice of humanity which was coming upon him which he was taking upon himself the beginning entering into the passion his response was sorrow not anger and that's a different I mean, the two passions that are very closely related but one is motivated i mean they're both motivated by love obviously but the sorrow to participate in the sorrow of christ the, the, the crime of abortion who cannot be sorrowful if we really understand how horrible that is to weep with christ for the children and for the mothers who are damaging themselves so profoundly to weep with them not to be angry Anger, I mean, St. James says that anger of man does not work the justice of God. I mean, obviously there is just anger. There are places and times when we should, and, but that's when the idea of anger is when we are in the situation where we can make a difference through a direct action, and anger gives us the force, the impetus to confront something that's in, in our presence. But when we are not able to do that, sorrow. So the idea in the uh, prophet Ezekiel, it talks about the great blasphemies, the sacrileges that are going on in the city of Jerusalem, and God is going to purify the city. But before he purifies the city, he sends out his angels. He says, go mark the foreheads of those just people who are weeping because of these crimes mark them beforehand so that they not they're not going to be punished but the ones who are not weeping for these crimes they're the ones that are hardened that they don't they don't respond as they should any human being should respond in the presence of certain things so the idea of anger can as i say there's certain situations where it can be very just but it can be also futile. It's just fury with no no sense. It doesn't help anybody. It just confuses things. Right. Whereas participation in Christ's passion is the participation in the sorrow that comes from his, the love of his heart, to console that heart. And so that's one 
indication of how to avoid that. I, I want to expand that on bottle. that. Um, particularly ahead, in the the, uh, the fifth mystery, the sorrowful mystery at Golgotha. Um, I meditate on that um, in the mornings and I doing the divine mercy chapwa. And I always think about the reaction of everyone at the foot of the cross, Mary, John, you see, I wouldn't have been even Jesus. He's not dead yet. I would have been like, I'm innocent. I did nothing. And you're killing me. If I was Mary, I would be like, you're killing my son. He did nothing. They didn't do that. There is a lack of, like, maybe it's pride. Maybe it's trust in God. I would not react like that. I will just be honest. And I've meditated on it. And I marvel. I think that is the school of love. That mystery is so profound that the, the just the mere reaction of the – they were human. They loved him. He loved them. There was a deep injustice that just took place, one of which even a thief recognized. They didn't respond like a crazy Italian guy from New Jersey. Like I would have responded. Not even close. I would Me have, too. <laughs> so <laughs> there is 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 a lesson, but there is also a grace which I ask for. Talk about that because again, that's not human. That's not yet they were all human. God was God, but Mary was human, Mary Magdalene was human, John was human. They didn't respond like that. Look at what happened, though. A man converted right on the spot, went to heaven, first one in. Maybe because of that, talk about that. Like, like, because that's a grace. That's just not human. Father, and, and if I may, in the course of answering that, also talk about, if you could touch on, because what I'm hearing and what Joe's question is, also talk about trusting in God. In other words, Jesus, to have faith is to trust, and, and, and John and Mary, and, then, and they trusted that this was what Jesus said was going to happen. Talk about our lack of trust that God will correct all things. I just want to, I want you maybe to discuss that also in response to, to Joe's question, that lack of trust we have a lot that leads to anger maybe sometimes. Yeah. And so what you're doing in the meditating on the crucifixion of our Lord, you're doing a very good meditation where you are admiring in Christ this virtue that you desire for yourself. And you see the perfection in him and, and Mary and and you admire it, and you're asking our Lord, help me. And you, in prayer, we should try to root it in our day-to-day -day life. And so we say, Lord, in the presence of this situation that I have in my family now, or in my, my job right now, or in the neighborhood, help me to apply this patience, this love to the situation. And so the idea is to, little by little, find ways, concrete ways, of not only admiring this quality in Christ, but how to, what can I apply this in this concrete situation? And then this concrete situation, little by little, because it's not going to happen all at once. But the, the admiration that we have, as you say, of Our Lady, because on the cross, our Lord declares Mary, Behold your mother. So this is, uh, we know as Catholics, that this is a declaration of her universal motherhood, not just that she's the mother of 
John the disciple, but the mother of us all, all sinners. And so for her to come to that dignity, what God was demanding of her as she was accompanying her son, she was so perfectly united with Christ that Christ, God was able to demand of her, you see those people who are torturing your son? Accept them into your heart as your sons in Christ. Accept them. And the idea of the Immaculate Heart of Mary, of being able, even during this moment of the Passion, to be able to exercise that maternity for all men, even those men who are at this very moment doing these terrible things against their son, is just, it's inhuman. It's, it's supernatural. It's divine. But that's the that's the level of charity to which Our Lady, in her capacity as Immaculate Conception, as Mother of God, that's the dignity that she had. And so that at that moment when Christ said, "Behold your mother," he's not simply indicating a grace that she will, and one day when she finally is able to forgive these people, will receive, but the grace that she already merited by her complete union with Christ, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. She was able to say that with her son. And that's amazing. And it's just, but to admire these things and to see that, yeah, humanly speaking, it's, it's, it's the folly of the cross. It's insane. It's, it's insanity. Who, who can do that? But to realize what we hope to, that's what we aspire to, to see that that is what some of the saints uh, arrived at, and we hope to approach, approach at least little by little, and little things of our lives to uh, come to that. So, but as you say, the trust in God, the trust in God's providence, to know that He is um, in His desire to form His Son, the image of His Son in us. He is orchestrating things in ways that, at the moment, we can't see it, but we have to have that trust that God is behind it, that God is... And in the book, I tell a number of stories that illustrate, whether in sacred scripture or in the lives of the saints, where they had that heroic trust, where suddenly God took from them something very dear to them, and yet they can, they can give thanks to God for that because they can see that God was calling them to something better, which is not some external thing, but the life of grace, the life of Christ being perfected in them through their trust, through their faith. Absolutely. Father Norris, unfortunately, we have to leave it there. We only have about a minute left. What do you have going on? What's going on with you right now? Um, so I live in Brazil, and I, I teach in our seminary in Brazil, and also I'm responsible for the monastery. So I, I keep busy, basically, in the formation of future priests is my principal mission. Okay. 
And obviously, we, 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 all, we, we are in need of good priests, and, and obviously, you're one of them, and we're so grateful you came on the show. So where are all the places that our audience could buy your book, just as a refresher, the book, the title of the book, Holy Silence, A Practical Guide to Recollection in God? We know that our audience could buy it from Sophia. Where else can uh, our audience members buy that, Father? Apparently, um, um, Amazon or Barnes & Noble, these other... Uh, but it's recommended, as you say, to buy it directly from their website, because that way you're not giving money necessary to Amazon or these other corporations that we really don't want to support. Yeah, Father, we, we, we say all the time, look, if you got a list of things you're buying from Amazon, not that we want to be buying things from Amazon, add your book to the list uh, if you have to. But if not, please buy it from Sophia. Father Basil Nortz, it's been a wonderful conversation. It's been an enlightening conversation. And I don't need to tell you this. You will probably already know it. You are welcome at the front line with Joe and Joe anytime to discuss these very important things with both Joe and I and our audience. So we thank you very much uh, for giving us the honor of speaking to you. I'm very grateful to have had this opportunity. You're welcome, Father. Thank you all out there for joining us at the Veritas Catholic Radio Network, 1350 on your AM dial, 103.9 on your FM dial, spreading the truth of the Catholic faith to the New York City metropolitan area. Please be sure to download the app, share it with your friends. You'll have access to all of our station's content. Joe and I, you can find us all over social media, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, uh, all over the place. Hit a button, like, subscribe, share, follow, do all that fun stuff. And remember, until the next time, that our conversation is your conversation, and that conversation is going on everywhere. We'll talk to you soon.